Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to Thinklings Podcast, episode number 17. In this podcast, I'm going to talk about endurance in Colossians chapter 1. But before we do that, as always, we have some Thinklings business to tend to. Let's talk about some books. Books and business. Almost jumped the gun. <laughs> he did. He waited this time. Yeah, well, he paused like for forever. Go, I, I, well, I could see your anticipation. Go back and listen to it. You'll hear a little like, <laughs> it's like when he was about to say books and business. Can we move on? Okay, yeah, we can. Okay, let me start. So if you've been listening to this podcast through the last like 10 episodes, you know that I've been listening slash reading through the Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis. And I'm actually not done yet. I have about an hour left of That Hideous Strength, the third book of the Space Trilogy. We need to talk about it. And so here's my thoughts. (laughs) So I have read The Abolition of Man, which is the, the ideas in both books correlate. Abolition is an essay form and That Hideous Strength or the the Space Trilogy is a narrative form. And they're both communicating the same ideas, the same ideology. One is in a picture format and one is in a more argument format. And so as I'm reading through someone who is understanding a little bit of Abolition of Man, I'm seeing these themes come out of man's dominance over nature that then removes our own humanity we came up with a good illustration of it. I think it's a good illustration. I think it is. It's like if someone walks in to watch a play and they have never read anything about this play or anything, they're just watching it, it's happening to them. That's someone who is reading the Space Trilogy and has never interacted with Abolition of Man. You're, you're seeing things, you're grabbing themes, they're coming out to you in the story, but they're maybe vague or not completely clear, which, I mean, I have read Abolition of Man and they're not completely clear. But then someone who has read The Abolition of Man is like that guy backstage who understands kind of some of the parts that are going on and maybe some of the nuances of how things are going. And that, that's kind of my feels. I, I'm getting a very strong, as, as I'm listening to conversations happen between different characters, like the two that pop into my head, that Mark is a main character in That Hideous Strength. There's another guy named Frost. They're having this conversation. And as I'm listening to it, I just think of like chapter two and three of The Abolition of Man. So, give me your thoughts on it, because I know we've talked about the Space Trilogy before, so... Well, you're almost to the... You haven't even finished the best hour yet. Yeah, why no. are you uh, quantifying it as a time, like an hour? Because it's an audiobook. It's an audiobook, oh. man. Yeah, he's... He, this is like, yeah, I have an hour left. Dude, this How's last like, how hour... How many pages are left? That hideous like, strength on an Audible is like a 14-hour listen. Yeah, it's long. It's been a, a long process. Gotcha. So, like, Venus and Mars have shown up? Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. The last hour is, is, I think, one of the best in the book. You, so you, maybe I'm not even. Qual- that's that's what I'm. You reading, got really good stuff coming. About. I will say that I think one of my favorite things about Lewis is that he'll write those abstract or, or not abstract, but he'll write essays and arguments in in essay form. But then he goes and he puts them in a story and it fleshes out. So, and you, you're starting to, I mean, you're picking up on those things. I don't want, I don't really don't know what I want to say because I don't want to give anything away, but I'll just say the, the stop there. you know, Frost in, in the room, I guess I'll just say that readers, if you're, when you get Frost in his room, it'll, it'll it's, it's wonderful. And this is all of the, all of the inklings did this. 
or most of them. Barfield has fiction to depict his mm-hmm. ideas, and Tolkien is probably the most famous for Lord of the Rings and his ideology. I don't know if Charles Williams ever had. I don't think he did. But anyway, we can move on. So, Okay, the book I'm going to talk about this week is called Our Deepest Desires. It's by Greg Gansel. Greg Gansel is a philosopher and an apologist, and what he's doing is he's playing around with the concept of desires. Uh, if you think of uh, Lewis's quote about, if I find in myself a desire that this world does not offer, it perhaps it's that I'm made for another world. He, it's not, I don't know if he actually, he might quote that at the beginning. I, I actually can't remember now. But his point is, he's taking a look at the concept of desire, like what you desire, things you desire, and how those desires get satisfied. And he's trying to figure out which worldview can best account for reality. And so he picks two to compare. One is Christianity and one is atheism. Now he could do polytheism, he could do Hinduism, but he picked atheism because in the West, it's probably the one that's been the most prevalent. And so I've re- I really enjoyed this book. It's a bit heady, um, but it was a really interesting book. And I'm going to give you one taste of it. He gives this illustration using Monopoly that I think is brilliant. He says this, and he's, he's talking about playing the game of Monopoly, and in the game, there's things that mean something, but then after the game's over, they don't mean anything anymore. So, we might distinguish, he says, between the local meaning and the cosmic meaning. Two kinds of meaning, or the kind of meaning available in the atheistic story is a local meaning. Think about the last time you played Monopoly. Every time you passed Go, it was a happy event. Yeah, right? You get $200, right? He says, the $200 you received was important. While you're playing the game, the money has meaning and value. You treat it as hard currency. You buy property, houses, in order to make more money. You build on your strat- you build your strategies around the value of the money. Within the game, the $200 matters. Once you stop playing the game, however, it all disappears. The $500 bill and the $1 bill have the same real value. Monopoly money has local value and local meaning. That is, the internal value is in the game, but there's no external value. He then goes on to to say, now think about if while you played Monopoly, someone said, look, every dollar you win in Monopoly, once the game is over, I'll give you that many real dollars. It would change the game fundamentally. And so he's making a point that if you have these desires that you think are good, and it's not just like it's desires for family or like beauty or like just seeing value systems in the world. If our life really is just a monopoly game, like, you know, and it's going to end and we're going to blink out of existence, then there's nothing coming after. And so all these present desires we're trying to satisfy don't mean anything. So it's a really interesting thought kind of experiment. And so I would recommend it. I would say on the thinklings goodness scale, I'd put it up at a, Six, maybe seven. In apologetics, I'd say it's seven and eight. I really. completely forgot about the Thinkling's goodness. Scale. You did, but I haven't finished. You haven't finished any strengths, so I you finished, can wait. I finished the first two, though. I'll wait. I'll wait yeah, to read wait. them. Wait till you're done. They're strong. My book I'm highlighting today is an auto. Uh, it's an autobiography. Ariel Sharon. The title of it is Warrior. So. It's an autobiography, different genre, obviously. Who is Ariel Sharon? He was a very influential commander, politician in Israel for, what, 60 years, something like that. Even from the very beginning of uh, the country of Israel being founded again in 1948, Ariel Sharon was uh, an officer, and uh, so his military career 
is uh, narrated. I think the book ends in like 1980s, in the 1980s, and where he was at politically. And there's a political bias, of course. You know, he was uh, moving into a very political position during that stage of his life when the book was written. So obviously he's painting himself pretty well. But still, the book, I really enjoyed it, especially just the inner workings of the of the military during all of those years, how tenuous the nation of Israel's existence was in the early 50s. I never really processed through how close they were to being wiped out, even at that point. Very, very interesting. I would put this really high, probably on the Thinkling's Goodness scale, uh, like an 8. It really helped me have a, a broader and deeper knowledge of... Um, of uh, just Jewish politics. If you're not interested in that kind of a thing, then it's probably like a one or a two. But uh, for me, I really, it's something that I find fascinating and I really enjoyed the read. Tim, you always seem to like bring up some like obscure book that I've never heard of and make it sound super interesting. Almost like you do that for a living, like in a bookstore. Maybe. This one's not at our bookstore though. Oh, it's not? No. Man, oh, you, wow. You teed him up and he couldn't even take a swing at it. No, he <laughs> couldn't go there. That's a strong goodness rating. It probably just bleeds out of me. I mean, I sell books. What can I say? So if I'm trying to comment about a book that I like, it just you comes lean across over that way. If you want to lean a little closer, I can pat you on the back. <laughs> a little too far away. I got a remainder mark on this book. Actually, funny story. My parents bought me this book for Christmas, and that was a monumental thing. Nobody ever buys me books for Christmas. Or birthday. Oh, like off your Amazon list? Yeah, they never. That's right. You've been stocking ever. that thing for years. <laughs> no one buys you books off your list. Nobody wants to buy me a book because it's considered work or they think it's work. So anyway. Okay. So let's talk about endurance. Mm. So Timely subject. This is December. Students who are listening to this, students at Faith, students at other colleges, you're probably getting really close to the end here if you haven't already taken some finals, you're probably going to do that in the next week or two here. You're wrapping things up, and it's probably been, maybe not entirely, but at some points, there's probably been some difficulty. College is not easy. We've talked about in a uh, other podcast where we talked about struggles that happen while you're a student, and you might feel like you're ready to be done. And so we're going to talk about enduring to the end. And so if you will, turn with me, we're going to look in Colossians, and this idea is right away, kind of hits us in the beginning of Colossians in chapter 1. And so to get there, we're going to kind of get a, a working start of what's here in Colossians 1. We start in verse 3, and Paul is mentioning that they're giving thanks to God. And so we'll read verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love that you have for all the saints. He's speaking about this church in Colossae, and he's saying we, the people who are with him, we are thanking, we're praying to God with thankfulness for you. And then as he kind of bounces down, he's going to get into a little bit more of exactly what he's praying for them. So he's giving thanks, they're praying. Down in verse 9, he kind of picks that thread up again. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask. And then, very specifically, it's, this is a, telling you exactly what he's praying. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then, it follows up with purpose. 
why should the believers, why did Paul want the believers to be filled? So they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that they would walk in a way that would please him. And then what follows is the four participles that explain what a worthy walk looks like. And that's where we kind of get into this idea of endurance. One of these participles specifically mentions endurance. So verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then here's where we get to it in verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Kind of unpacking this again, he's explaining, he's trying to tell you how you accomplish this worthy walk. One of the ways that you walk in a manner pleasing to the Lord is that you're strengthened by him according to his power, his glorious might, and that has a goal to it, that you would endure. I've got BDAG pulled up, a good, good dictionary here for terms in the New Testament. It defines endurance as the capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of difficulty, whereas something that would not endure would maybe break or give in to the pressure. Something endures, it, it holds strong when the difficulty comes. And you can see it's really cool what's happening in verse 11. It's like, I want you to understand what the will of the Lord is. God wants you to be strengthened so that you can endure the difficulty. And what sticks out to me about this is that, yes, God allows me to go through difficulty and trial. He divinely plans that. We've talked about that many, many times here. But he never does it without first or in the process strengthening me to endure. It's very specific in the text. We are being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the endurance. He's not asking me to endure in my strength. He's telling me that he will give me endurance. He will strengthen me so I can endure the trials that he allows in my life. And I, I know we've talked about this before. We could get into many examples. Being a student is not easy. <laughs> I can remember one time I put off a paper, and this is like my own fault. I put off a paper and I needed to get it done. And Tim opened up his office for me. He's like, just go in tonight and just get it done. And so I had to work all night to get that done. And about every 15 minutes, you're like, oh, just, just go to bed. You just be done. You take a 50, just take, take the low grade and be done with it. And you pray and you ask for help. And what does God do? He strengthens you. Through his spirit, he gives you the power to do what you could not do on your own, to endure. Now, that is a trial that I brought on myself for not being diligent. But there are other times things happen that are completely out of your control. And you might wonder, why in the world would God make me endure that? And you might that might be your testimony at the end of the semester here. But what does Colossians 1.11 say? He doesn't just say, hey, I hope you can endure. He says, you need to be strengthened. And, uh, and that's encouraging to me that, even, I mean, we're not students, you know, full time anymore. So we're maybe a little bit out of that game, but we understand the need to find strength outside of ourselves. So quick thought there on endurance. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, you're right on. That's where the strength really comes from. 
and even not being a student anymore, it's not like the trials or the tough times are done. They just take different forms as we prepare classes, as we meet deadlines, as we try to please other people, or maybe please is the wrong word, maybe fulfill other obligations which others give us. <laughs> maybe that's the way to put it. But much better, much better. <laughs> there we go. Politically correct. <laughs> accurate it's more accurate. accurate i'm not trying to please others i'm just trying to do my job and it's their deadlines the deadlines are different but um there are still deadlines and we're trying to get those things done and sometimes it can be overwhelming in fact i look at my life and my dissertation and completing my phd that was like a monumental thing that was like very very taxing and trying but that's actually was that actually was not the time when i was the most ever wiped out the most I was ever wiped out came after my PhD. It came in the fall after I had finished my dissertation. And just becoming, you know, hey, my PhD is done. I'm now a professor and I focus on blah, blah, blah. And through all of those tasks, I had to live this out. And I think my education and what I had gone through for the previous X number of years helped equip me for that uh, to, to go through that trial, but, but that trial came even after education. So student, as you're going through this trial, this is preparation. This isn't the end. This is the preparation and, and, uh, um, be diligent and endure. So when I look at this passage, it says, Paul is asking, he's praying that the, that the people in Colossae would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding and the purpose, the goal for them to know this information, the spiritual wisdom and understanding, is so that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And then you pointed out that the next four statements explain what that looks like. And so being strengthened, if you reverse that, it's not a possible, like it's not going to happen. Like God's not going to strengthen you if you're not walking in a manner worthy of God. And I think the times when I get really exhausted, when I am really wiped out, when I am at my limit, that's when I want to give in and I want to go do what I want to do. And I want to just say, whatever. It's kind of like you were saying, just take the 50. Well, spiritually, you just want to take the 50 and go sin or go do whatever. But that's never the avenue to getting strengthened by the Lord. The attitude is to trustingly persist and to continue to serve him. Like what you were just saying, Dr. Little, you're, you're seeking to accomplish the, the tasks you've been given. So I think sometimes as students, and I would say like, we're all very busy here too. The temptation is always to cut a corner to make my life easier. And really, we should walk in a manner that's worthy and that's when God will strengthen us. So I think that's kind of counterintuitive to our fleshly minds sometimes. Yeah, and another thought here, as we kind of wrap this down, there's a lot of verses in the New Testament that talk about endurance. One of the roots of one of the parts of this word is just to continue. It's the idea of keeping to do what you're doing instead of stopping, continue, continue. Jesus talks about continuing in the word, abiding in him in the Gospels. And there's a lot of different times in the epistles where this idea of continuing to endure comes up. But there's one that's really, really good, and it's in 2 Thessalonians. And it, it ties this virtue to Christ in a very distinctive way. It's 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 5, and it says, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. And we don't really have to unpack 
exactly what's going on there. Maybe, but we think it through, and it's did Christ endure? Yes. Is this yes? Yes. It's a characteristic that he exemplified in enduring the cross, and for the joy that was set before him, he endured. And so, as you look at this, here's again Paul asking that something would happen to these believers and. It's like, I want you to have the endurance that Christ has. Maybe flesh that out a little bit more. We want to have the character developed in us where we see and understand why endurance is necessary. That there is a joy in fulfilling that part of God's will for my life, to endure well through difficulty. When I read this, what comes to my mind is, if I'm spending time with Christ and I'm becoming like him, I'm going to slowly be getting better at enduring. I'm not sure exactly how I'm doing with that. (laughs) Um, Quite honestly, I know that there's things that happen in my life, and I'm aware of the struggle in my mind and in my heart. And, you know, I maybe restrain my flesh at times and, you know, wondering, okay, am am I just getting better at bearing it out, letting love cover sin, or am I just, like, in my flesh trying to perfect myself. And that's that's a very inner personal walk of faith. But I, I think I'm improving, but I don't know. So. <laughs> I wonder if this isn't one of those things that in the moment you might doubt. And you, you're like what you just said, you're like, you're doubting. And so the answer there is to not doubt, but have faith or trust. And then only in hindsight can we look back and see progress that's evident to all, including ourselves. So it's probably one of those in the moment. <laughs> you well, just never know because you're so aware of your sin. Well, and two, like as I'm as I'm trying to think that through, you have this awareness of what's going on. Like, wow, okay, if I'm really struggling with what's happening right now, and I know that if I don't receive some help, <laughs> I know what's going to happen. You put that car on autopilot, it's probably going to crash. Okay, so that forces me to humble myself and ask for help. That's where the rubber meets the road. It's like, okay, I I know I can't endure this without the help. And man, I'm not really sure. So, okay, I need to continue to ask for help and ask for the Spirit to fill me and, and, and help me in those moments where it's really tough to obey. When it comes to endurance, I tend to just knuckle down and push. And when I'm knuckling down and just pushing through and just getting it done, how am I doing that? Uh, Or with what strength am I doing that? Okay, so I think that's one of the hardest things for endurance is um, that I I do it and I do it in the flesh. So then how do I do it in the spirit? How do I do it by being filled in, with the Spirit? And I think that's kind of the trickiest part. I think it's alluded to here in your Second Thessalonians 3.5 passage. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. Okay, so the, the source for your endurance is this heart, this love for God. And that's a very political idea. You know, it's like a suzerain and a vassal making this a treaty. I know, I know. I'm being a jerk again. Okay. It just proves that this love for God is a command that we can 
have, but you have to choose it and you have to want it and you have to develop it. So if you're not enduring, you're struggling with endurance, really the problem didn't start right now. The problem started several days ago or a week ago where you made decisions that were fleshly. So now your flesh has been being fed for the last several days and that's why you don't want to do it. And so then how do you do it? Well, I just got to knuckle down and do it. And then the flesh is the what's still blasting you through. No, that's why, you know, this is Proverbs 2, and I can, I'm starting to preach a sermon and everything else. But, you know, this day of trial is upon you, and you don't want to endure. Well, it starts way before. And what are you going to choose? What are the decisions that you're going to uh, make? And you need to cultivate that love for God, that fear for Him in your heart. And then how will, then that will be your power. That will be your strength to endure. Yeah, and as you as you were walking through that, the the idea I went right to my mind went right to Proverbs two. Turn. It's like what's what's the difference between knuckling down and doing it in my power, or doing it in the Spirit's power? There's a recognition of the flesh, and in prayer, turning. Okay, that's not that's not what I want to do, Lord. And we trust that when we humble ourselves. He does a work in our hearts we can't do on our own. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.